Hi, and thank you for listening to Dream 10X Radio, where we interview people attempting to live extraordinary lives. Our twofold purpose is to both direct and inspire people bold enough to do the same. Dream 10X. Face your fears. Welcome to episode 17. Cheers. Well, it's James Capel. Cindy Capel. <laughs> we are cooking dinner, trying to multitask, doing a podcast, and get dinner done at the same time. For this episode, um, we are, oh, actually, who's our sponsor this week? Avoca we Farms. And we're actually cooking the meat right now. It's a mix of Angus and Wagyu, and it is so good. Actually, for Thanksgiving dinner, we're going to be cooking a very large Wagyu sirloin. And uh, we also got some ground beef, so we appreciate our sponsors who are feeding us. Um, so, Avoca Farms, www.ovokafarm.com. It's a local farm out of Paris, Virginia. And all of the cattle are really cute and very well loved. And most of them have names. <laughs> um, and so they're treated really well, all grass-fed, free-range. And then uh, you are able to buy half a cow, a whole cow, or ground beef. Um, so take a look at their website and take a bite of this delicious meat. So we're cooking up some Angus and Wagyu ground, ground beef right now. I'm looking forward to having this. And while we're cooking, we're going to talk a little bit about the book I read this week. It's called The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz. And I really, I really enjoyed this book. Uh, and in fact, from a leadership perspective, I think this book had a bigger impact on me um, from a professional career growth leadership perspective than the first 90 days did, so the book that we talked about last week. So um, I recommend this book. It's, it's an easy read. It's good. It's clear. Um, it's a little simple, um, but um, it's really clear and easy to digest, and it's got a lot of good sound bites in it, or what do you call it? They're not sound bites, but they're good quotes. Good, I guess a lot of good quotable lines in here. So uh, just talk about one of the. There's a, there's a lot of things in here that he talked about that were directly related to some of the things that we've talked about recently and, ep- and since episode, I guess. 15 when we talked about uh, Mr. Schwartzman and the Blackstone group and some of the things he commented on on how he became successful which sparked a little bit of a conversation between us on the importance of IQ and becoming really successful and how well you know some people are saying like Warren Buffett that well maybe you need a around a 130 IQ in order to be successful well um, this book claims that IQ is not really relevant at all in terms of how to become successful. He says that attitude is way more important in determining your success than your IQ, than your intelligence. I 100% agree with that. Yeah? And he calls um, being overly concerned about intelligence as intelligence excusitis. excusitis. In other words, using an your lack of intelligence as an excuse for not being successful. He says that's pretty much stupid, mm-hmm. which I really appreciate. He said three ways to cure intelligence excusitis. 
never underestimate your own intelligence and never overestimate the intelligence of others. That's very, very wise. Manage your brains instead of worrying about how much IQ you've got. Number two, remind yourself several times daily, my attitudes are more important than my intelligence. Number three, remember that the ability to think is of greater value than the ability to memorize facts. He goes on to say, use your mind to create and develop ideas, to find new and better ways to do things. Ask yourself, am I using my mental ability to make history, or am I using it merely to record history made by others? I thought that was interesting. But he also talked about how Einstein didn't seem to worry much about historical facts or, or, or facts. He didn't worry much about facts. His brain was more geared towards data inputs and figuring things out on his own. In other words, thinking and problem solving. Mm -hmm. And so this chapter is kind of geared more towards um, problem solving ability and attitude, having, having a good attitude, believing that you can do things. And I think that the whole crux of this book is about having a positive mental image of yourself and a belief that you can do things. And that belief alone, and that inculcates a positive attitude in you, which helps drive you, drive you to achieve things that you, couldn't, you wouldn't otherwise achieve. And he also makes the case that people who have a good attitude and a low IQ will achieve more than people who have a high IQ, but a low self-esteem and you know, a lower, uh, a, a, a less positive attitude. Well, obviously, I, I think if, if you if you have a burning desire to do something, mm -hmm. I think you have a greater chance of doing that, regardless of how smart you are, <laughs> what your IQ is. I don't know. Have you met As people who are like exceedingly positive, positive and successful, and then met people who are really smart and not successful because they had a had bad attitude? Have you met people like that? I can't say that I don't, I, I don't know, I can't say I know a lot of crazy successful people personally. Mm -hmm. Like, unfortunately, those aren't the circles that I run in. <laughs> but, uh, so it's hard for me to say, yeah. Okay. You? Um, so yeah, I've, I've worked with some people who are like just ridiculous smart and cannot find their way out of a paper bag. Now that I have and as well, I can say that. Yeah, and, they're, and then they're, they get frustrated with those of us who aren't as smart, and so their attitude ends up being really hard, and they're really hard to work with yeah. when you need to move forward and get something done. So I've definitely worked with those type of people. Um, yeah, I, I think it is safe to say that having a high IQ is not the whole equation for success. Mm -hmm. it, it, it could be a big part. If you have a high IQ, then you could be uh, you could have one of them, a, a big component that you that puts you uh, quickly ahead of other people. But if you don't have the attitude, you don't have the right attitude. You don't have the right beliefs in yourself mm. and the right beliefs in the system that you're you're interacting with. Um, the ability to vision a future, envision a future for yourself that you, that is hard to see. I don't think you know those are all components that I think are requirements. Yeah. I don't think a high IQ is necessarily a requirement for success, though. Mm -hmm. But I definitely think vision and attitude are. Yeah. Put it that way. I totally agree with that. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so it's interesting. We both know people who, who are really smart, who probably have a high IQ, but who aren't successful because of their attitude. Mm -hmm. So that seems to be strong anecdotal evidence to suggest that IQ is not hard and fast requirement for success. Okay, so another chapter that segued nicely with some of the things that we've talked about is the chapter uh, on goals. He talks about goals and, and big dreams. He says a goal is more than a dream, which I had to think about because we were thinking a dream was more than a goal. Like yeah. A dream is more, it's a bigger, a goal is a subset of a dream, but mm -hmm. he says a dream, a goal is more than a dream. It's a dream being acted upon. Mm, so that action piece is really important. Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, he, he says a lot about the importance of taking action in this book as well. But I'm not sure I agree with that. A, a goal is a dream being acted upon. I, I could, I think it would be more precise to say that goals being acted upon will help you reach your dreams. <laughs> like that, that makes more sense to me that the goal is a smaller step and the dream is still a really, you know, intangible thing. Yeah, goal is a big intangible thing. You don't mm -hmm. know how you're going to get to. You yeah. break it down into actionable tasks mm -hmm. or objectives which are goals. Yeah. And achieving all of those goals in some help you reach your dream. Yeah. Is the I, way I, I look at it. I totally agree with you on that. But that's not quite what he says here, so I was a little confused by that. But Intriguing nonetheless. Yeah. Well, it's all semantics, really. He says, goals are as essential to success as air is to life. Mm -hmm. No one ever stumbles into success without a goal. No one ever lives without air. Get a clear fix on where you want to go. All very clear, good advice, I think. The important thing is not where you were or where you are, but <laughs> where you want to go. Having that vision of where you want to go is very important. And it seems common sense, right? Having a vision of where you want to go is very important, but it's so hard to come up with a vision. Mm -hmm, a lot is. of people can't even, that's step one. Yeah. Like, how do I come up? How do I set up? If I can't, some people have a hard time seeing beyond their current reality. Okay, so what's the difference between myself. vision and goal? I mean, what's the difference between vision and dream? Uh, it's the same thing in my mind. Like, okay. It's this, you have an imagination, imaginary state that you want to arrive at at some point in the future. And that's, getting that's from a, dream. a to Z. That's your dream. Yeah. Yeah, and how, and how to get there. Uh, so that that's another thing, is mm -hmm. how do you break down these huge, the bigger the dream, the harder it is to figure out how you're going to get there. Mm -hmm. That's true. And what you need to do to get there. But in this chapter, he admonishes the reader to... <laughs> This is not the way I usually talk, but I'm trying to sound learned <laughs> through my reading. But he he encourages the reader to think think about how to achieve concrete ways to achieve your dreams. Mm -hmm. And that goals are important because they set a stake in the sand and they give you a timeline and um, they provide motivation for you to to achieve these small objectives that will all one day add up to achieving your big dream. So I really like that. And he also encourages you, the reader, to plan 10 years ahead. So this is something I've, you know, I've been doing for a number of years. 
And so I was glad to just have that thought reinforced by reading this. He says, we can and should plan at least 10 years ahead, both as an individual. Companies should do the same thing, 10 to 15 years. We should be looking 10 to 15 years down the horizon. Mm -hmm. What what are you planning to do in 10 years? Where do you want to be in 10 years? Because now is the time you need to try to get there. You need to try taking steps to get there, especially with regard to retirement or or whatever. That next that next job role you're looking looking to be in in ten years. What do you want to do when you get out of college? You know, everybody needs to be. You know, around the college time frame, I think it's important to start start thinking about your ten year horizon. So that was good. Um, and then another thing I underline here is like the progressive corporation, he calls them progressive corporations, those corporations that are taking action and innovative and are, are going places. He calls them progressive corporations, which I thought was an, an interesting term. Plan ahead. You are in a sense a business unit as an individual. That's my paraphrase. Mm. Your talent, skills, and abilities are your products. You want to develop your products so they command the highest possible price. Forward planning will do it. Really like those ideas. And then finally, this is a, I, I just wanted to spot check or, or spot mention three big things I took away from this book. And the third one is to uh, think like a leader and, and provide some ways to encourage the reader to think like a leader. Leadership rule number one, trade minds with the people you want to influence. So basically put yourself, it's like the golden rule again. It's treat others like you want to be treated yourself. Mm. Put yourself in the mind of the people you are leading, the people you are addressing, and try to try to think, try to see yourself through their eyes. Um, that's so. That's one good tactic for for leadership. Another one is uh, to think about the human touch for a situation. How how would a human handle certain things? What does that mean? Um, don't try not to be, uh, crass or rude or rough with, with, with people. Try to have a human touch. And and again, it segues with that first one. Try to, try to look at things and situations through the eyes of other people, not, not just yourself and what your own motivations are, but try to consider the motivations of others. So it's kind of like having empathy. Exactly. It's just, it's empathy. It's really what those first two things are about. And then the third thing was uh, think progress, believe in progress, and push for progress. Think improvement in everything you do. Think improvement in everything you do. Think about how to add value to every situation. He uses that term a lot. How, mm-hmm. Think about how you can add value to the things you're doing, to the organization that you work for. Think high standards in everything you do. Set a high bar. Believe in and push for progress and you'll be a leader. Drink a lot of water. (laughs) (laughs) My dog drinking water. Over a period of time, subordinates tend to become carbon copies of their chief. The simplest way to get high level performance is to be sure the master copy is worth duplicating. I love that quote. Walk the talk. Oh, here's another fourth, fourth rule for leadership. Take time out to confer with yourself and tap your supreme thinking power. Ah, I really loved this part. Um, basically, he encourages the reader to just stop and 
just think about things. Think about whatever. Um, write out a plan. Write out some thoughts. Whatever comes to your brain, just think about it. And it sound, again, that sounds like common sense, but I find myself looking at a screen for a large part of the day mm -hmm. thinking about you know, writing code and worrying about code and checking in code and, and building and deploying and from a software engineering perspective. But very little time taking a step back, pushing the screen away and drawing architecture diagrams. Does this make sense? Do, do these things connect right? What, what do I need to do to make this more of a reliable overall system? And then on Sundays, I like to take a step back and think about money. Where, where are our finances? Where are our bills? What bills need to be paid? Um, or not even thinking about any of that, but just daydreaming. Like, where do I want to, what, what hobbies do I want to develop? You know, just what do I, where, where do I want to be in 10 years, five mm -hmm. years? And what are some ways I can get there? I, I also like to think, think a lot about what am I spending money on and how much does my life cost versus how much money I'm bringing in and what's that net difference and, and what am I doing with that net, net difference and I think about that a lot I try to think about that at least once a month if not once a week but it takes time to sit down with a pen and paper and and present a problem to yourself or an idea to yourself and just think about it yes. hmm. I th when he said that, uh, stop and think. Think mm -hmm. about things. Think about whatever, your organization, what they need. Yeah. Whatever. It, it really resonated with me because it's really hard to take time to stop and think. Because yep. we're constantly running. We're, we're const always fighting fires. Versus we're constantly yep. running from one meeting to the next. Yep. We've got a schedule full of meetings. It's very important to like take 30 minutes out. It, 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 and call it meditation, call it yep. whatever, but just to stop and let your brain like think about something else other than, you know, running to the next thing for the, for the day. It, to think ahead a little bit, yeah. Even if it's just for a couple days in the future. And in leadership development, that's something we strongly recommend to everybody: is to take block your calendar off, like what at least once a day for thirty minutes. And if you can do what, like twenty minutes in the morning, twenty minutes at night, kind of thing, just hmm. to sit and and reflect like start your day morning um with thinking and just space to think and then end your day with reflection um and reflect on the day and then that helps you strategize for the next day one of the things i, I want to try to do more during the week i like like i said I, I like to sundays i like to try to reflect and project mm -hmm. like think on the past week and then think ahead to the future sure um but I need to start doing that on more of a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And I found that the second I crack my computer open, I'm done. Like there's, there's stimulus constantly. There's chat, there's email, there's tasks, there's meetings. That's what our brain thrives on is the, that immediate I wish I, I, one thing I don't like about myself is I don't get up early enough. Mm -hmm. I wish I could get up earlier because <laughs> I go to bed so late. Okay. So, but I wish I could get up earlier and just take 30 minutes before I crack open that computer to think about things. Why, just, why can't you do that now? Like not necessarily get up earlier, but why can't you at least take 20, 30 because minutes? Because I feel stressed out like I'm late. Like I'm always 
you know, get into my workspace a little bit later than what I probably should be to get the day started. So, so it's I, your own perceptions there, of that yeah. year. Okay. Yeah. So if I was there a little bit earlier, you know, and ideally I'd get my workout in first, then have some time for reflection and then start work. But again, I go to bed too late. So what do you think? Should I just not? It's easy to say, well, you just shouldn't go to bed so late. But That's, how do we get? How do I get everything done that I want to get done? Well, if you look at somebody's biorhythms too, like your biorhythm, um, you're you're never been good in the mornings. Like even after rowing, you were like exhausted for most of the day. Um, so when you look at your biorhythms, you really like come to, come to life at night. It seems like. Yep. Uh, and then, but you can't do that for sustained days in a row. Like you do it for a few days and then you crash. Mm. But you're the way you, when you come to light and your brain works and you're able to focus and do all these things that you want to do in the evening. So it's not a bad thing that you're not a morning person. It's your own body chemistry and how your biorhythms work. So it's okay. It's just being more intentional and productive about what you're doing. So when you're sitting down at your computer to work on one of the Alexa skills or focus on your finances or whatever. Are you doing 14 other things before that? So when you sit down to your computer, are you looking at Facebook? Are you going to emails? Are you um, putting other tabs and doing research on other stuff that means like sure. meaningless? So it's like refocusing your time and energy. It's more energy management. Where are you putting your most energy? Is it into Facebook and, and Instagram or is it really focusing on where you want to focus? Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on how to, so how, how to go about prioritizing things and and get them done while getting sleep at the same time <laughs> like should i be taking redland just to like stay up all night no or should i be like that's taking gonna kill your body extra ca caffeine you're gonna like kill how, your how body. do i do more how can i do all the things i want to do it's about managing energy and knowing where you are the most effective and then spending what your most effective time on that really hard task so example for me I suck first thing in the morning. I know from eight to nine o'clock in the morning, usually to 9.30, um, don't talk to me, give me a cup of coffee. That's when I check my emails because I don't have to think, I can just respond. If it's an email I have to think to respond, I put it in my priority list for later. Um, and then I'll do other like kind of meaningless rote tasks. Around 12 or one, I'm really good, I'm really sharp. So I focus on my most challenging problem then. Well, that's basically what I'm doing, but I don't feel like I'm making quick enough progress with stuff. Maybe I should hire some VAs, a VA, some hire some contractors to do some of the stuff. How do we how do we scale? Like, how do I scale the amount of work I want to do? So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I think about that a lot. Um, I found a book in your bookshelf by Josh Waitzkin. Yeah, it's called what is it called? The you Art of it? Learning. The Art of Learning, and I'm wondering if that has some tools in there. Maybe I think it does actually. So yeah, read it. Okay. Well, thanks for listening to this episode and see if I can get through another book next week. We can chat about, we're going to eat dinner right now. Thanks again to Ovoca farm for sponsoring this episode. Happy Thanksgiving. Woo